welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, Matthew, the teachings of Jesus Christ the King, and it's the third part of the series. And we now look at chapter 13 over a five-week period and the, the teachings of Jesus through parables. Often this teaching related to daily life of the time, sowing seeds, fishing, bread making, amongst other things. And it's through these simple things of life that Jesus brings deep truths about the kingdom of heaven. So thanks for joining us on this podcast as we will encourage you to respond to God's word and the challenge of Jesus Christ. Now, before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Father, we think of this new year. And when people think of a new year, they think of a new start. New dietary regime, new job, new focus. But Lord, you are the same. You are the Lord of the old year and you are the Lord of the new year. So Father, as we come into this new year, with all the stuff that's going on, Father, we ask that we would come before you right now and recommit ourselves to you in this new year, to commit ourselves to you in praise and in prayer and meeting together. Father, we all have business we need to do with you, Lord. Help today be a day where we are able to start helping you build those foundations because no matter what we do, if the foundations of our life are not good, what we build on those foundations will not last. Father, we, so we just pray that this morning would be a start for some of us. Maybe Alpha is the process. Maybe the time of prayer is the process. Maybe serving is the process. But Father, we just pray that this morning, for, for those who have been in this church for generations and those who have just arrived this morning or have just started coming, Father, those who have been on their journey for years, decades, and those who are new to the journey. Father, help us come before you right now, Lord. Still our hearts. Take away all the stuff that's going on, all the stuff that's in the news, all the concerns and worries about the country, the world, politics, and everything else. Father, help us spend this next hour so focusing on you. Come, Holy Spirit, come upon us. Bless each person in this space, in this place. Father, whatever the reasons that we are here, you are here to meet with us. You have ordained this day for us to be here together and individually. Holy Spirit, come and touch each life, each heart, each spirit here today, Lord, and let every person here meet with you this morning. Father, we pray and ask you to bless hands and the mouths of those who sing and lead us in worship. Pray for Mike as he leads us in the word. We pray for all those guys in Messy Church, some new faces in there as well. We pray that they would feel your presence regardless of why they've come this morning. Be with them as well. They are part of this church. Mm. And church is not a building, it's a people. We are the people of God. So, Lord, bring us together, help us worship together, lift our hearts, 
as we sing or listen, as we stand or sit, wherever we've come from, wherever we are going this afternoon, Lord, for this next period of time, be with us. Bless us and keep us, Lord. Let us hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Following that time of prayer, I hope your heart is prepared and open to receive from God's word wherever you are today. If you hear anything from our preacher today, from God's word or the sermon that challenges you and raises questions, or if you want to know more about the Christian faith, about getting to know the Lord Jesus, then please get in touch via our website or through the office. Details are in the show notes. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. Again, details can be found through the contact us page of our website, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Now, over to our preacher. A few weeks ago, um, I think it was the 18th of December, in worship, I shared a vision a friend had had, a vision about the church not, uh, sorry, about the church being busy, um, but also being very small, feeling small in the world, but running around in business, not getting anywhere. I wonder if you were here, if you remember that sermon Uh, Do you remember the small mammal the church was referred to in that vision? Do any of you remember? I see it shouted out. What was it? A mouse, yeah. It was a mouse. So why do I refer to that story, that vision? Because stories, visual pictures, visualization, metaphor, simile are important in helping people to understand when we are teaching, when we're preaching, when we're sharing. Visualizations and stories are often more easily held in the mind than straight data words. Um, And so when we get things like this as preachers, it's good to use them. In fact, I I should probably use them more. So I wonder if that did help you maybe remember the context of that sermon um, on the 18th of December. Why do I bring that up just before starting the reading? Well, we are starting a teaching block from Matthew 13. Um, This series in Matthew is called The Teachings of Jesus Christ the King. We've had two blocks already and now we move to chapter 13. And this discourse from Jesus is the parables of the kingdom. Parables. So as an introduction to this five-week series, it's a short five weeks, I'm going to take the, pa- the passage after, I'm not starting at the beginning of chapter 13, I'm starting from verse 10 of chapter 13 after Jesus has spoke the parable of the sower, more of which next week. But here the word of God, chapter 13 verses 10 through 17. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. 
In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes. Remember, he's speaking to his disciples here. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word. Amen. So if you're a Christian here this morning and you know anything about the Bible, and you know anything about Jesus, then you have heard the word parable. Parables are synonymous with the teachings of Jesus. And perhaps you think, I know what a parable is. But let's think for a moment. If Jesus taught in use of the parable so much, used parables in his teaching, and they are so connected to his ministry, is it only in the Gospels we really find parables? And what makes Jesus' parables so memorable? And then you've got these disciples asking of their rabbi, their teacher, why do you speak to people in parables? Before I dissect that question, let me go back a moment. Jesus was not the only one to use parables. They're strongly associated with them, but parables are found throughout antiquity, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament outside of the Gospels. In other words, Jesus did not invent this form of teaching speech. This form of speech was common. It was a method of instruction to people in the East. A writer back in the 19th century, S.D.F. Salmond, in his book, The Parables of Our Lord, writes this, The great family of nations known as the Semitic, to which the Hebrews, together with Arabs, the Syrians, the Babylonians, and other remarkable peoples belong, have shown a particular genius and liking for it, it being the use of parables. They were widely used. And the word itself, parable, covers really different types of phraseology and language, including simile. English teachers out there, no difference between simile and metaphor. Simile, where things or places are compared using words like or as. Something is like this or as this. Or direct comparison, use of metaphor, where you say something is something. But they also contain sayings and proverbs. An example of a parable in the Old Testament is found in 2 Samuel 12, 1-4. Nathan the prophet speaks to David and expresses... Well, he talks about David's wrongdoing in taking Uriah, Uriah's wife, as his own. And so Nathan speaks to David 
But he doesn't tell him what, quite what he's talking about. He says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. So this comes from the Lord. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. He's telling a story. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had brought, bought. He raised it up, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. What a lovely story. It's all going to go wrong. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, this nasty rich man, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, this little ewe lamb that was like a daughter to this man, and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Nathan shared that parable with David. And it appealed to David's sense of justice. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and has no pity. Then comes the blow, the meaning of the parable. Nathan said to David, You are that man. Parables are powerful. Nathan caught David out in the use of a parable. There are also germs of parables, not maybe the full kind of essence of a parable we understand with Jesus. You can see them in Acts, for instance, just when we talk about stone. Those who rejected the stone which has become the cornerstone, the cornerstone which holds up the whole building. In Ephesians, and maybe the stumbling stone of the law to the people of Israel that Paul writes about in Romans. Not literal stones, it's this use of, again, metaphor and simile. So these uses of story, great rhetorical devices of simile, metaphors, pictures, are important before Jesus' life, during his life, and since But what marks out Jesus' use of parable is the absolute sublimeness of his teaching through this method. There is no one equal. The parables are both simple on the lips of Jesus in many ways, but they are deep and complex. They paint and they teach through story. And in it, Jesus distills truth. He discloses truth exactly in the degree which people can admit it. He's hiding it from those who would abuse it and imparting it to those who would love it. The use of parable. And they do several things. I'll go quickly through these. Parables attract. They attract people. They, they love a story. So what's happening next door in messy church. Through craft and picture and story, young people, young Children are learning about Jesus. And when they are understood, they're wonderful memory aids. They help our minds. They help the mind through the thought process. Because especially the parables of Jesus, to be fully understood, we need to think them through. We need to study them. We need to consider them. The the deep meaning of parables are not understood without effort of thought. They're good for the mind. They can stir up, they can excite the crowd. 
when hell is described as a fiery furnace, they excite the imagination. They, they, they start you creating pictures in your mind. And they hold attention. If you've ever been gripped by a great story, maybe a novel you read. Emma bought me Richard, pointless guy, Richard, thank you, Osman, um, his latest tome. I read it in a week. It's just A good story holds you just like a good parable will. It holds your attention. And last, and most importantly, parables of Jesus, they tell truth and they preserve it through the language of symbols. They're powerful, never so more than on the lips of Jesus. But very briefly, before I move on to that teaching block, how did we get there from the last one? The last one uh, we left was um, chapter 10 where Jesus was teaching the disciples before sending them out. And now we've jumped to chapter 13. Those intervening two chapters, 11 and 12, John the Baptist has asked the question, are you the one to come, Jesus? Are you the one we should expect? Or is there somebody else coming after you? He's articulating the debate over who Jesus is. And Jesus quotes from Isaiah, noting that to date the miracles he has performed attest that he is the expected one. There is nobody else, John. A new order is going to come through Jesus, through him. He goes on to denounce uh, the towns of Chorazin and Bethsaida where there's no repentance, no turning. And says that he, yes, is the Son of God. The one in whom God the Father is revealed. He intimated there was a time of invitation now to come and rest in him. Come, my burden is light, take my yoke upon you, rather than holding on to the law of men. And then in chapter 12, he both verifies and repeats the themes of honesty, sorry, hostility and confrontation. There's the hostility of the Pharisees when they confront Jesus his work on the Sabbath. Jesus confronts them with further healing. He doubles down. He brings further hostility on himself when they say, your work is of Beelzebub. And then Jesus confronts them again. There's this back and forth of confrontation. He claims greatness beyond that of Jonah and of Solomon. In other words, he's pointing out that the pagans repented at Jonah's coming, his preaching, and the pagan queen of Sheba at Solomon's wisdom. Both huge events in the Old Testament. Yet Jesus is say, claiming greatness beyond them. But the Pharisees refuse to respond to Jesus. Their hearts are hardened and far from repenting. And then he closes out chapter 12. Jesus stating who his true family are. In essence rejecting his familial ties. His parents his brothers, his sisters. Here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and my mother. And then we land at the disciples' question. Why do you speak in parables? I can't imagine the disciples didn't understand the power of the parable to convey meaning. I've just spoken about how powerful Similarly, metaphor, visualizations are in telling story and teaching and helping people to understand. 
So perhaps their question was, why this style of parable, Jesus? Why these intricacies and these deep layers of meaning in them? Why are you doing that, Jesus? Because it seems your parables, are face value, are easy to understand, but actually they're really complex. And you're confusing people, Jesus. Why are you doing this? And Jesus has a really blunt answer. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. That's blunt. I've come to give knowledge to some, but not to others. But these aren't any parables. These are the parables that are teaching about the kingdom of heaven. They're specifically to reveal the person of God and his kingdom to the hearer through his teaching. And it is for those with hard hearts, those not of the family of Jesus, well, he is saying they are not going to understand. So today, when you read Scripture, when you read your devotions daily as I pray, many of you do, as you come to worship on a Sunday, what you should be reading in your devotions, what you should hear in worship here, should reveal in many ways God to you. God, how he interacts in relationship with you, with creation, with the world, is revealed to those who follow Jesus, those who desire to understand. And those who do not, well, there's that blunt message. It is from those whom the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are hidden. The secrets of heaven are not revealed Because their choice is not to hear, not to grapple, not to understand. Jesus says, though seeing, they do not see. It's a bit of an oxymoron. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Sometimes it was like me that with me in my physics class. I listened, I watched, I didn't understand. Sorry, Robin, I know, science is not my strength. Though I am a guy who's pretty focused. Emma will tell you that. Being focused has its advantages, its disadvantages. The advantage is you can cut out background noise. Focus on the talk. Don't know, are you focused on what I'm saying? On the message? Focusing on what I'm doing? At home, it can be a bit of a downside sometimes. Emma will say something to me. Want to impart some knowledge to me. Share something with me. And if my head's in a book, or maybe I'm relaxing, watching TV, then more often than not, she will eventually say, Are you listening to me? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> I could see her nodding at the back. I don't always hear and see what's going on around me because of that single-minded focusedness. Well, that's what I'm saying it is. But in the case here, I believe Jesus is asking for that kind of focus. He's saying those who don't see, those who don't hear, do so because they are not tuned in. They are distracted by other stuff. The noise of the world around them, they are distracted from the truth. He goes on to say, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. This was always going to happen. 
You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. And then, for, because, in other words, because for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. It's a choice, in other words. They don't want to hear, they don't want to see. And the Pharisees are often the ones to whom Jesus addresses this. And it's because they are trying to domesticate God. They're trying to get God to be their kind of God. They're not, God fits this box, it doesn't fit that Jesus box. And if we do that, if we live this way and follow the laws, then God will be saying, we're only going to do X, Y, and Z. That idea continues today. That God exists to meet our demands, our needs. And when we do that, we put ourselves at the center of our universe for God to serve us. That is what Jesus is talking about. That is what is hardening and callousing these hearts, closing their minds, stopping up their ears, blinding their eyes. It's the belief that human beings are central and God serves us rather than God, Father, Son and Spirit being the true center of all, due all worship and glory. So we can escape these words that for some... They will not know the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Any Christian church, any Christian pastor, preacher that proclaims universal salvation for all declares heresy. Is salvation available to all? Absolutely. But will all see, will all hear, will all accept and know Jesus? Far from it. Absolutely not. Jesus says they have closed their ears and stopped up their eyes. It's plain. It's rebellion. Rebellion as their demand for repentance will draw zero response. Because Jesus goes on to say, otherwise, otherwise they might see with their ears, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. If people hear, if people see the Lord, they will start to understand and they will turn, repent, and I would heal them. We've just heard Caitlin's testimony, her healing. We all need that healing and we need it continually. Jesus in our lives. That offer is made. We hear the message of truth from Jesus. We believe and see what difference he makes. We offer our life in repentance and he brings healing to our very soul. Healing of your painful spiritual separation from God because of your sin. But unbelievably, and I, I do find it unbelievable, many will not make that step. Maybe because there is a veil of secrecy. Not secrecy as in some kind of ridiculous Dan Brown Da Vinci Code sort of veil secrecy, but rather mystery. The mystery of God is beyond our limited human understanding. Yes, we've gained all sorts of scientific knowledge over 
centuries, decades and centuries. But it seems that we've moved to a point where we think that can take God out of the equation. And we are in charge. We are looking for ever-increasing knowledge and understanding to figure out our beginnings. Andrew was on the sound desk. We were at men's breakfast yesterday. He was telling me about this website where you can go in and it's an AI website and you type in stuff and it brings it back and it's a wonderful tool. But I bet if I typed in, and I might go and do it, what's the meaning of God? I wonder what it might come back with. Because ultimately, the mystery of God is beyond our human understanding. We may and will, not may, we will never understand the complexity of our human body, of our, heart, of our mind. Never mind the earth, the oceans, the cosmos. These mysteries are immense. We are learning more and more, but the amount of knowledge we have is tiny compared to the knowledge of God. There will always be mystery in life, yet a life of true faith in Jesus Christ embraces that mystery. It doesn't reject it. In faith, we find trust that where we don't understand the mystery, we trust God. The word theology is the study of God, theos, but faith, theology is faith seeking understanding. Theology is what Jesus is asking here of his followers. It's that seeking knowledge through faith unlocks the meanings of the parable to the believer. And it is that lack of faith seeking understanding that hides the mystery of God to the unbeliever. They choose not to. So Jesus didn't teach in parables deliberately to hide truth from his believers. Rather, what we see happening in this question, why do you teach in parables? What is happening is that those who doubt and disbelieve find their hearts hardened. And conversely, those who are open, who believe, who follow the Lord, find their hearts enlightened as to the way of the kingdom of heaven. Don't forget, that's what we're talking about here. These parables explode what the kingdom of heaven is. Kingdom of heaven come and yet to come. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but did not see it. And to hear what you hear but did not hear it. This isn't about intellect. This isn't about having a degree or a master's or a PhD in theology. This is a desire to hear, to understand. The parables of Jesus that he preached to his hearers and all generations since who've read them, who've heard them, are like seeds planted within. And they offer two ways. It's a seed that can be planted and watered to the, by those who respond and the parables will illuminate some of the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who reject them, the seed will die and do nothing. But seeds, they can perish or flourish. But we'll have more of that next week with the parable of the sower. Father God, we thank you for parables. They can be complex, but they can be simple. Father, we ask you to reveal them 
what I've said today to people's hearts, but what's coming up in the next few weeks, Father, reveal, open our hearts, let them not be callous, let them be warm and receptive as we come to find the mysteries of heaven revealed to us, your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Sunday podcast from our team at GMC Dunfermline in Scotland. If you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe, and how we serve, then visit the website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook, or maybe you can check back some of the videos on our YouTube channel. Just search for Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page of our website or by calling the office. Again, details are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our work with a financial offering, then that can be made by clicking the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Jack Wiggle, and the soundtrack is Up to the Mood by Low Tree. Thank you for listening, and God bless.